Volume Three, Chapter Six of *The Vicar of Rexhill*. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Vicar of Rexhill* by Francis Milton Trollope. Volume Three, Chapter Six: A Second Visit to the Lime Tree. Rosalind, as she walked slowly back towards the house, repeated to herself in shuddering the fearful words of Henrietta Cartwright: "I am an atheist," and her very soul seemed sick and faint within her she had sought in some degree the friendship of this unhappy girl chiefly because it was evident that not even the connection of father and daughter had sufficed to blind her to the hateful hypocrisy and unholy fanaticism of the vicar did then hatred and contempt for him lead to the hideous abyss of atheism she trembled as she asked herself the question but the weakness lasted not a moment the simple and true piety of her spirit awoke within her and with kindly warmth cheered and revived her heart that the unhappy henrietta when revolted by watching the false religion of her father, should have fled from it with such passionate vehemence as to plunge her into the extreme of scepticism, offered no precedent for what would be likely to befall a person who, like her, loathed the dark sin of hypocrisy, but who, unlike her, had learned the benignant truths of religion with no false and frightful commentaries to disfigure them. As she remembered this, as she remembered that probably the only religious lessons ever given to this most unhappy girl were such as her judgment must revolt from and the sincerity of her nature detest as false and feign pity and compassion took place of terror and repugnance and a timid but most earnest wish that she might herself be the means of sending a ray of divine light to cheer the fearful gloom of poor henrietta's mind took possession of her heart the delightful glow of feeling that seemed to pervade every nerve of rosalind as this thought took possession of her cannot be described tears again filled her beautiful eyes but they were no longer the tears of disappointment and despondency yet a dread of incurring the guilt of presumption by assuming the office of teacher on a theme so awfully important so sublimely exalted mixed fear with her hope and she determined to restrict her efforts wholly to the selection of such books as might tend to enlighten the dark night of that perverted mind without producing in it the painful confusion of thought which must ever result from a loose and unlogical arrangement of proofs and arguments however sound or however unquestionable they may individually be when she met henrietta in the drawing-room where all the family were assembled before dinner she was conscious of being so full of thoughts concerning her that she almost feared to encounter her eyes lest her own might prematurely disclose her being acquainted with the scene she had gone through but the moment she heard henrietta speak the sound of her voice so quiet so cold so perfectly composed convinced her that the conversation which she had supposed must have agitated her so dreadfully had in truth produced no effect on her whatever and when taking courage from this she ventured to speak to and look at her the civil smile the unaltered eye the easy allusion to their walk and their separation led her almost to doubt her senses as to the identity of the being now before her and the one to whom she had listened in horror a short half-hour ago this perplexity was however in a great measure relieved by an interpretation suggested by her fancy and immediately and eagerly received by her as truth it was in bitter irony and shrewdly to test the sincerity of that man's assumed sanctity that she uttered those terrible words thought rosalind and inexpressibly relieved by the supposition she determined to take an early opportunity of confessing to miss cartwright her involuntary participation of mr hetherington's tender avowal and of her own temporary credulity in believing for a moment that what was uttered either to get rid of him or to prove the little worth of his pretended righteousness was a serious avowal of her secret sentiments this opportunity was not long wanting for perfectly unconscious that miss torrington's motive for hovering near her was to seek a confidential conversation a species of communication from which she always shrunk 
Henrietta, who really liked and admired her more than any person she had ever met with, readily seconded her wish by again wandering into the garden walks on which the sun had just poured his parting beams and where the full moon rising at the same moment to take her turn of rule shone with a splendour increasing every moment and rendering the night more than a rival in beauty to the day let us go to the same seat we occupied this morning said rosalind no no go anywhere else and i shall like it better let us go where we can see the moon rise and watch her till she reaches her highest noon of all the toys of creation it is the prettiest shall you be afraid to go as far as the lime-tree asked rosalind what the tree of trees the bower of paradise in short the tree that you and i have once before visited together the same there is no point from whence the rising moon is seen to such advantage come along then let us each put on the armour of a good shawl and steal away from this superlatively dull party by the hall-door the two girls walked on together arm in arm both clad in white both raising a fair young face to the clear heavens both rejoicing in the sweet breath of evening heavy with dew-distilling odours yet thus alike the wide earth is not ample enough to serve as a type whereby to measure the distance that severed them the adoration the joy the hope of rosalind as her thoughts rose from nature up to nature's god beamed from her full eye thankfulness and love swelled her young heart and every thought and every feeling was a hymn of praise henrietta as she walked beside her though sharing nature's banquet so lavishly prepared for every sense like a thankless guest bestowed no thought upon the hand that gave it cold dark and comfortless was the spirit within her she saw that all was beautiful but remembered not that all was good and the thankless heart heaved with no throb of worship to the eternal creator who made the lovely world and then made her to use it notwithstanding the interpretation which rosalind had put upon the words spoken by henrietta in the morning and the consolation she had drawn from it it was not without considerable agitation that she anticipated the conversation she was meditating if she were mistaken if beneath that pure sky from whence the eye of heaven seemed to look down upon them she were again to hear the same terrific words how should she answer them how should she find breath and strength and thought and language to speak on such a theme she trembled at her own temerity as this fear pressed upon her and inwardly prayed in most true and sweet humility for forgiveness for her presumptuous sin a prayer so offered never fails of leaving in the breast it springs from a cheering glow that seems like an assurance of its being heard like that science-taught air which blazes as it exhales itself prayer simple sincere unostentatious prayer sheds light and warmth upon the soul that breathes it even by the act of breathing they had however reached the seat beneath the lime-tree before rosalind found courage to begin and then she said as they seated themselves beneath the spreading canopy miss cartwright i have a confession to make to you to me pray what is it to judge by the place you have chosen for your confessional it should be something rather solemn and majestical do you remember that i left you in the shrubbery seat this morning fast asleep oh perfectly you mean then to confess that the doing so was unwatchful and unfriendly and indeed i think it was how did you know but i might be awakened by some venomous reptile that should come to sting me believe me i thought the place secure from interruption of every kind but i had reason to think afterwards that it did not prove so what do you mean miss torrington replied henrietta in an accent of some asperity i presume you did not creep away for the purpose of spying at me from a distance oh no you cannot i am sure suspect me of wishing to spy at you at all and yet things have so fallen out that when i tell you all you must suspect me of it 
unless you believe me as i trust you do incapable of such an action pray do not speak in riddles said henrietta impatiently what is it you have got to confess to me tell me at once miss torrington you really do not encourage me to be very frank with you for you seem angry already but the truth is miss cartwright that i did most unintentionally overhear your conversation with mr hetherington the whole of it did you hear the whole of it rosalind not quite the gentleman appeared to be in the midst of his declaration when my unwilling ears became his confidants and then you listened to the end i did a death-like silence followed this avowal which was at last broken by henrietta who said in a low whisper then at last you know me oh do not say so do not say that the fearful words that i heard were spoken in earnest do not say that i cannot bear to hear it poor girl poor rosalind said henrietta in a voice of the deepest melancholy i have always wished to spare you this i have always wished to spare myself the pain of reading abhorrence in the eyes of one that i do believe i could have loved had not my heart been dead but if you feel thus henrietta if indeed you know that such words as i heard you utter must raise abhorrence it is because that you yourself must hate them i know you are unhappy i know that your nature scorns the faults that are but too conspicuous in your father but is it not beneath the mind of such power as yours to think there is no god in heaven because one weak and wicked man has worshipped him amiss he worship trust me rosalind had i been the child of a persian and seen him in spirit and in truth worshipping the broad sun as it looked down from heaven upon earth making its fragrant dews rise up to him in incense i should not have been the wretched thing i am for i should have worshipped too henrietta if to behold the maker of the universe and the redeemer whom he sent to teach his law if to see worship offered to their eternal throne could teach you to worship too then look around you look at the poor in heart the humble pious christians who instead of uttering the horrible doom of eternal damnation upon their fellow-men live and die in the delightful hope that all shall one day meet in the presence of their god and father chastised purified and pleading to his everlasting mercy with the promised aid of his begotten son for pardon and for peace look out for this henrietta and you will find it find it and your heart will be softened and you will share the healing balm that makes all the sorrow and suffering of this life seem but as the too close fitting of a heavy garment that galls but for an hour dear innocent rosalind how pure and beautiful your face looks in the bright moonlight but alas i know that very sinful faces may look just as fair there is no truth to rest on in the whole wide world rosalind there is not honesty enough whereon to set a foot that one may look around and believe at least that what one sees one sees but this is a perfection of holiness a species of palpable and present divinity that is only granted to mortals in their multiplication tables twice two are four i feel sure of it but my faith goes no farther i cannot talk to you cried rosalind in great agitation i am not capable of doing justice to this portentous theme on which hangs the eternal life of all the men that have been are and shall be it is profane in me to speak of it a child a worm father of mercy forgive me she cried suddenly dropping upon her knees henrietta uttered a cry which almost amounted to a shriek i had almost listened to you she exclaimed i had almost believed that your voice was the voice of truth but now you put yourself in that hateful posture and what can i think of you but that you are all alike all juggling all the best of ye juggle yourselves the worst do as we saw mr cartwright do on that very spot rosalind beneath the shelter of that very tree did he not too knuckle down and for what to lure and cajole a free and innocent spirit to be as false and foul as himself 
yet this is the best trick of which you can bethink you to teach the sceptical henrietta that there is a god truth henrietta said rosalind rising up and speaking in a tone that indicated more contempt than anger neither truth nor falsehood can be tested by a posture of the body it is but a childish cavil the stupendous question whether this world and all the wonders it contains be the work of chance or of unlimited power and goodness conceiving arranging and governing the whole can hardly depend for its solution upon the angle in which the joints are bent you have read much miss cartwright read one little passage more which i think may have escaped you read the short and simple instructions given as to the manner in which prayer should be offered up read this passage of some dozen lines and i think you will allow that in following these instructions greatly as they have been misconstrued and abused there is nothing that can justify the vehement indignation which you express poor henrietta shrunk more abashed before this simple word of common sense than she would have done before the revealed word rosalind saw this and pointed out the anomaly to her simply but strongly does it not show a mind diseased she continued you feel that you are wrong to make an attitude a matter of importance and you are ashamed of it but from the question whether you shall exist in pure and intellectual beatitude through countless ages or perish to-morrow you turn with contempt as too trifling and puerile to merit your attention if i do turn from it rosalind if i do think the examination of such a question a puerile occupation it is in the same spirit that i should decline to share the employment of a child who would set about counting the stars such knowledge is too excellent for me i cannot attain unto it your illustration would be more correct henrietta were you to say that you shut your eyes and would not see the stars upon the same principle that you declined inquiring into the future hopes of man it would be quite as reasonable to refuse to look at the stars because you cannot count them as to close your eyes upon the book of life because it tells of intellectual power beyond your own but this is all contrary to my resolution henrietta contrary to all my hopes for your future happiness do not listen to me do not hang a chance dearer than life upon the crude reasonings of an untaught woman will you read henrietta if i will find you books and put them in your hands will you read them and keep your judgment free and clear from any foregone conclusion that every word that speaks of the existence and providence of god must be a falsehood will you promise me this let us go home rosalind my head is giddy and my heart is sick i had hoped never again to fever my aching brain in attempting to sift the truth from all the lies that may and must surround it i have made my choice deliberately rosalind i have never seen sin and wickedness flourish anywhere so rapidly and so vigorously as where it has been decked in the masquerading trappings of religion i hate sin rosalind and i have thrown aside for ever the hateful garb in which i have been used to see it clothed if there be a god can i stand guilty before his eyes for this oh yes most guilty if you have found hypocrisy and sin turn from it with all the loathing that you will and be very sure let it wear the mask it will that religion is not there look then elsewhere for it be not frightened by a bugbear a phantom from seeking what it is so precious to find dearest henrietta will you not listen to me will you not promise for a while to turn your thoughts from every lighter thing till you are able to form a surer judgment upon this dearest do you call me dear and dearest rosalind know you that i have lived in almost abject terror that lest you should discover the condition of my mind i thought you would hate and shun me rosalind torrington you are a beautiful specimen and a very rare one to please you and to approach you if i could i would read much and think and reason more and try to hope again as i did once until i was stretched upon the torturing rack of fear but there is no time left me do not say that dear friend said rosalind gently drawing henrietta's cold and trembling arm within her own 
you are still so young the time is left for harder studies than any i propose to you i am dying rosalind i have told you so before but you cannot believe me because i move about and send for no doctor but i am dying and if i could believe it henrietta would that not be the greatest cause of all for this healing study that i want to give you perhaps so rosalind but my mind my intellect is weak and wayward if there be a possibility that i should ever again turn my eyes to seek for light where i have long believed that all was darkness it must be even when and where my sickly fancy wills here let the subject drop between us perhaps sweet girl i dread as much the chance of my perverting you as you can hope to convert me rosalind was uttering a protest against this idle fear when henrietta stopped her by again saying and very earnestly let the subject drop between us lay the books you speak of in my room where i can find them but let us speak no more satisfied fully satisfied with this permission rosalind determined to obey her injunctions scrupulously and silently pressing her arm in testimony of her acquiescence they returned to the house without uttering another word End of chapter 6